Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it has been uh, a long, I think, eight, seven months since we last heard you. Since you last heard us, actually. But this time it's only me and Matt. No Herman today. So, hello, Matt. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, doing good. Yeah, of course. Uh, we haven't heard, of, heard you in a while. Uh, you haven't heard me in a while. So, yeah, it, it, life's been crazy in the last seven months. But I have been following the high level, but... You haven't been doing so well after Shibanik has um, started the second part of the season as they as they started. Yeah, I know. I I was thinking there like even even sixth place was like maybe not you know to at least make a bit of a, a push to try and get into that five and six, and it's been completely the opposite, isn't it? Now it's completely slipping slipping not. from seventh down to eighth, and actually not even looking particularly like the eighth best team out of 10 considering they lost to the number 10 team by five goals so yeah it's I, I think I know you and I talked about this on you know over over Twitter and stuff but losing one attacking player shouldn't send your whole team into a tailspin something something else I don't know I just I worry that you know as I say even losing your best player shouldn't shouldn't send the team morale into such a complete free fall that they 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 lose games like that so I really hope they can they can pull themselves out of this because there's still a lot to play for. You know, yeah, they're only, they're I think, what's it? They're only, how many points clear? Let me have a look. There are 23 points. points. And, yeah, 23 yeah. and Dragovoliat is on 10. So, you know, that should be enough of a cushion, but there's still there's still enough games left that, you know, they've, they've, they've got to get it together. Yeah, I mean, I, I put Shivanik last, if you remember my predictions. Yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, listen. If Dragovoyets get get their um their stuff together, they it's a very small chance. Let's be honest. I, they're already like 80 percent in the relegation. They're. I, I think, in my opinion, they are gonna get relegated. But there's a still that small chance because this is a group of very young guys and a and a young coach that that has been training with those guys from Rijeka that came there. It was like what seven, seven, six players that came for Rijeka alone. Some of them even have signed for the club. We we, sh- we won't speak about how how that was allowed because the highness did help Dragovoyets a little bit because that really shouldn't have been happening. But that's a whole other topic. So yeah, but that five nil win, I looked at it. I was coming from school and it was like two nil, and I'm like, holy, what this happening? And Shibanik, okay, I came home. The third goal went in. I'm like, oh my god! And after that, I was like, there's still a possibility that if Shibani continues like this and basically lose all of their games until the end, and Dragovoyets gets a couple yeah. couple points, they have I think one game against them. They win that and maybe a few points against Istraslan Belup and Gorica. Even now, Gorica is now in. I mean, they also lost the key player, and you can see how they're playing. Yeah, so, uh, it's exactly it's it's just hard to work out from that game. Do you just do you just put that just file that in the freak result and move on, or is yeah either Drogovoljets are a lot better now than they were, you know, and something's kind of clicked and they're a better team, or Shibanik is is yeah that could be the first of a run of. I mean, I've just checked the last five, so it was it was win loss draw loss loss. So that's that's not. That's not great, you know. That's three points out of a possible fifteen. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. 
I, I was reasonably calm around Christmas time. That was, you know, job done. They've stayed up. You know, everything, anything after that is a bonus. You know, I mean, I never really thought they were going to push five and six. I mean, I think we've talked about this before that like, I tend to think of Harnell as sort of in these, there's the top four tier and then there's the middle, you know, the five, six, Lokomotiva and Goretzka. They're, they're not quite good enough to push the top four, but they're still miles clear of the next, the next group of four. So I wasn't really thinking of that, you know, but seven, seventh would have been a, a good result, I think, in the season for, for, for Shivanik to finish seventh. I thought if they can, you know, make a bit of noise. But yeah, they didn't look like a team that looks anywhere near seventh when they got absolutely battered in that game. So uh, yeah, I'm now a bit more nervous. I actually have to stop paying attention on, <laughs> on the Harnell weekends to make sure, you know, even if they just get a run of draws, you know, I mean, their goal difference is reasonably healthy. Just, just don't do anything silly. So basically, there there are basically three clubs in my eyes that rely on one player. That's Hajduk, Gorica, and uh, Šibenik. Šibenik had yeah. Jakolic. Hajduk has Levaya, and we all know how that ended when we played against Stobol in the Europa League. Gorica, without Lovric now, look absolutely disastrous. Last, yeah, last, last five games. Five, five losses is, in a row. Yeah, yeah, Zero points in 15. Yeah, That's, that's a tailspin. Rendulic is... Uh, on the thinnest ice right now to keep his job. And Shibanik, I mean, the, there was all the kafafel and uh, along the window because the new owners weren't paying the wages. So some players, and you signed the the Indian, who, what yes. was his name? Jingash. He was expected to be this big, big player that was going to help your team. And in the end, he didn't even play a game, went back to his old team and all he saw as Europe was Shibenik. Not, not, not much of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of players leaving their clubs, and now we can see how that's impacted them. Well, Levi hasn't left Hajduk, but we, when he isn't playing, you just see the Hajduk in the attack is absolutely nothing. And then you just have the defense, and let's be honest, Shibenik's defense isn't that good, but Tarello has been awful in the second part of the season. Giving away two penalties against Hajduk, that was just... Uh, it, those those were clear penalties. I still don't know how the ref didn't see the first what he stomped on whoever it was. But yeah, I mean this transfer window has also been crazy. I mean, Hajduk have signed Kalinic, Dinamo have yeah, signed, yeah, Osijek have signed Lovric, Rijeka have signed uh, Andres Solano, the right back. So they, I mean, Rijeka right now are the underdog for the title. Let's be honest, because every other every other club in the top four has done amazing business. I mean, also you, you can count as a top yeah. top business of Dynamo as they kept Dorsic from Burnley. My man didn't want to go to the Premier League. He just decided that you know what, I'm gonna stay with Dynamo, play Europa League, play against Sevilla, and maybe try to get the title. Yeah. No, I think so, I would agree that Riek have stood still, and the and and their three competitors have all taken a step forward. Yeah, I mean, I have a few friends from Riek I, I have met in the last few years. They are not they are not happy. They yeah. are not even close. And they're not that hopeful against Haiduk. I talked to I talked to them a couple of days ago. They're not that hopeful against Haiduk, but they beat us the last time when we played at Poljud. So they're still like, we have a chance. I mean, we're the underdog, so we have a chance. But yeah, it's it's been an amazing 
transfer window. I yeah, yeah, I forgot to mention Ferro. Ferro signed for Hajduk. A, a, a center back that played with Ruben Dias at Benfica and was expected to be one of the best ball-playing defenders ever for, for the Portuguese team. But uh, he's now at Hajduk and maybe trying to revive some of that talent. I mean, in his first three minutes, he scored for Hajduk. So, listen, he he looks good for now. We'll see how he now... We have, Hajduk now has... Four big games, Rijeka, then we play um, Gorica in the Cup, Istra away, which is a pretty tough away match, as we saw last weekend when uh, Osijek barely scraped a, a scraped a win in the 96th minute when Mance scored, and everybody was, well, let's be honest, shitting a Mance. <laughs> a lot of, of Osijek fans were like, we don't need that guy, who is he? he he's not even that good. Comes on a couple of minutes later, scores the winner in the 96th, so it's it's it was a crazy game week last week. So, uh, oof, any thoughts on the, yeah. on the on the last? Yeah, time I well, I was thinking. I think when we when we discussed it a while ago, I think with 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 Herman on one of the calls as well. What I think is unusual is that this has probably been one of the most competitive high mill seasons in in a while in terms of having all teams in the top four at various points looking, and yet it seemed. You know, it seemed to be that the league was in, you know, was in really good shape, but it seems to have coincided with generally quite a poor showing in European competitions, which seems to, you know, I guess some of, you know, those of us who follow the league got our hopes up and thought, oh, they're going to have lots of teams in European competition. Yeah. And most of them didn't do very well. And it's sort of, is it, is that maybe just because Dynamo is weaker than they've been in the past when they were usually the only team that broke into Europa League, but then would generally do well? Um, or is it just is it just bad luck that the, you know that the draws weren't favourable that maybe they didn't bring out you know they didn't put their best performances together on those European you know in those in those matches it just it just feels there's a strange disconnect between the way the league looks from the inside and the way it seems to the teams have matched up against other European competition. Yeah, no, I I agree fully, and the Heinel has become very very good in the last two pre seasons. I mean, we had that fight for second place in 2020 when Lokomotiva sadly, let's be honest, sadly won it out after, and in the summer they sold half their squad to Dinamo and got absolutely embarrassed in the Champions League qualifiers and even more when they played Malmo in the Europa League qualifiers. Yeah. So, yeah. And last season, Gorica was very much involved in that fight for Europe. They were 35 rounds in in the European spot and in that last round, which matters the most, they weren't. So, and this season, right now, only four points separate Dinamo from Rijeka, who are fourth. So, four points from first to fourth. I, I do not remember when last saw it. It was probably like the second game week of like some season. That was probably the last time it was this close. So, yeah, it's never yeah. this this close this late on. Normally, it's pretty obvious who's going to. And, and I mean, you know, as you say, you could. I think you could. It could be any one from three. I, I probably agree with you that I think Rijeka are going to are going to probably fall behind that top. I think the other teams have strengthened more. Um, you know, I think I hadn't really realised that. You know, I, I thought Ostiak were probably more likely to push for to push Dinamo, but actually, I mean, as as you were saying, I mean, Heidel have had four four wins on the bounce. They've, you know, they've strengthened as well. 
that really yeah. yeah I think I think any of the top any of the top three could still could still win it. Yeah, well, as we are on the top three, let's mention the last top from the top four, the last the last game. So, Hajduk won against Dragovoljac three 0 two penalties from Blevaja. I all I have to say, most of the penalties that we had, I or even one hundred percent, they were pretty much clear penalties. So I I am yet to witness a, a not a real penalty be given to Hajduk. So. Levaya is doing his job, scored nine penalties, stopped striker in the in the in the high nil, and has in that game he beat Taktash to uh most goals scored for Hajduk in a season in the high nil. So 21 goals, absolutely amazing. Even if you take away the penalty, he's still second, two goals behind Dermic. So that's just I mean, he's just on another level from the high nil. When you watch him, it's it's just magnificent to watch. And they still like thirteen games. Thirteen games to play. Yeah, and yeah, still thirteen games. And yeah, I mean, Haiduk and Dinamo still have that derby to play, which is going to be played in two, two, three weeks' time. So that is going to be very fun to watch at Poyu. Then there's also another match at Poyu that should be played in uh, in April, I think. Yeah, it should be a li- a li- around twentieth uh, of April. So watch out for that. Because we have three derbies, three eternal derbies. I mean, if Hajduk is still in the run to win the league and at that point in April, that's two games left, two derbies, big, two big derbies. And the last and the last match is Dinamo Hajduk at Maximir. So if that decides the title, I mean, that's going to be a outrageous season, whoever wins it. That's actually a good point. That's one thing about, because the Harnells are smaller, you know, let's say the Premier League is 20 clubs and then they all play they play the other 19 twice. So you've got 38 games for 20 teams. Whereas Harnell yeah. has 36, 36 games for 10 teams because they play each other multiple times. Four times. That yeah. actually makes it more interesting. It's more likely that there's still a derby match towards the end of the season. You know, if you look at all the permutations in Premier League, they can't, they can try and guess and say, oh, let's try and have Man- Manchester City, Liverpool somewhere in, you know, in, in late March or April, and maybe that will be relevant. But you can never. Whereas I think with with Harnell, that's more interesting. Is there's always an important head-to-head somewhere at the end because they because they just play each other more often, and it's a smaller yeah. league. So I think it, it makes for a more exciting finish. That you know, the teams can't complain. The teams in the top four will have head-to-head matches where they will have a chance to take three points off their rivals. So I think it is going to come down to a, you know, it's not it's not just going to be how they pick up points against the bottom teams. They are going to have to play each other and beat each other. Which I think is good. I mean, yeah, that that is the whole point of the top ten league. I mean, you just want your the clubs to play each other as much as possible to see who's the better. Because I mean, t- two times is all right. I mean, it's a it's a twenty team league in the Premier League. That that is fine. But I, I I prefer this when you have four teams in the running and all of them still have to play each other three twice, three or two times. That is yeah, amazing. No, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what? That's like 12, 12, 15, 16 games that are six pointers for the title. And they can draw points against and against the lower clubs because we just saw Dinamo slip up against their, well, not, let's be honest, they're not uh, not an affiliate club anymore. Still kind of, but they showed it against, against Dinamo when they were defending superbly and almost scored. So, yeah. 
that 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 that's another game I have to come to. So let's just as I mentioned it, Lokomotiva absolutely amazing. Dinamo, I Petkovic. What is Petkovic doing? I and what is Kuzna doing? Putting him putting him in the squad against Sevilla in the first leg. The second leg is gonna be today in a few hours time. I still don't know why Petkovic is playing. I don't know if you watched any of the Dinamo games the last few. I, I you know, the, the the whole kind of read on on Petkovic seemed to be that, you know, he'd kind of fallen out of favour in the national team, and he was his performances were poor, but he was still playing well for his club. And then it became really hard to explain. Well, why do we have this strange, you know, these two personalities of this player? In a way, it makes more sense that now he's playing poorly for both because it, it seemed harder for me that he could sustain these kind of... But it is worrying that he has completely dropped off. You know, I guess it's a, you know, um, it's a, maybe maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a manager thing where sometimes you hope your, your better players come good, at, you know, in the big games that that provides them the kind of motivation. But then it's also the other way around. Is it, it can backfire horribly if you play a player who's out of form. It can just make things worse. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know. If that's one of, to me, to me, his form over the last eighteen months has been one of, one of the biggest mysteries. You know, and it's, you know, you get blips and you you get temporary losses of form when something's been going on for this long. There's 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 something more fundamental there. Yeah, very much. Because I mean, if you you just need to trace back to two years' time and you just see this guy who's just staring up the high NL and playing for the national team like we I, I mean I was like oh this is the perfect replacement for Manjukic. He is, Manjukic, he is yeah, yeah. he is tall, strong, he can do I mean he's not exactly the Manjukic type, but he's the real striker that you need in that in the national team. Like we have we can cross it in. If you give him the ball he can hold it up, make some double pass. I mean yeah. Yeah, we said but, he was almost like a he was like a Croatian Harry Kane. You know, he sort of had yeah, the same. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's real mystery how he's kind of whether that's personal motivation or you know, it's just at some point I don't know. He maybe he'll write a book <laughs> in in five ten years or something that will will do a newspaper article, you know, an interview or something because it's it's just it is just very strange. You know, if you think of the player he was in. Even in 2019, it's just, yeah, it's just. There'll always be it'll always be something I've never I'll never quite understand, you know. But as I say, yeah. it makes it very hard for a club because a club knows what he's capable of. And you think, well, on his anyone else, you know, he was capable of winning matches. And you think, but is he ever going to get back to that form? Yeah, I mean, all, all the our Kersner in the club can do is hope and really leave, leave it up to him because it is up to him. And I mean, that performance against Sevilla, I just... Th- there was this one attack. I think it was... He got a pass. He's like three on two. He has a player on both sides. He takes the ball. Okay, first touch. Not, nothing special. He turns around and just he's just like, oh, give it back to the center back. And I'm like, dude, you, you literally had an option either to go forward, shoot yourself from like 30, 20 meters if you wanted, pass the ball. But no, he just turned around and he was like, yeah, I just have the ball. I couldn't care less. And th- there, were, there was another chance. He, he gets the ball, stays at it, tries to do some dribble and loses it. He had like two free op- uh, passing options. 
he still didn't do. I, I don't know if he, he just seemed uninterested in the match against Sevilla. I mean, how can you you're saying is yeah uninterested a, in a big European match? Yeah, if you if you can't get exactly if you can't get fired up and motivated for that match, well then what can you? You know that. Yeah. I mean, the last chance he has is now this title race. If this doesn't fire him up, if they now lose to Sevilla, I mean, this the, the night he has to get fired up because Dinamo really showed that they can play against Sevilla. They are not on par, but they can do it if they want it. Same, same against Tot- Tottenham, but against Tottenham in the first leg, Dinamo were nothing. They maybe created one chance. Against Sevilla, they were free. They should have scored a second. Juric had a clear chance, but just shot straight at the goalkeeper. If he just put it a bit more height on the ball, it would have been in. It should have been yeah. honestly free too. But yeah, and, and a few referee referee calls were uh, dicey. Let's be honest. So yeah, I I don't know. It it should be fun, but if Petkovic doesn't get his shit together tonight or in the title yeah. race, I it, it could impact Dinamo. If, if he doesn't get replaced, if he plays every match and just seems uninterested in every match, that's just not helping the team. But there is one guy who's actually looks very fired up and 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 in form. Orsic. After he yeah, no, he's he, he's great. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah, he's always <clears throat> he's always fun to watch too. I mean, he is very fun to watch. I mean, after he signed the new contract, he's just. Balling out, he's he's basically like Michael Jordan. He's shooting for him. He's just doing. He seems like he's doing it for fun, and he's mm. fired up, unlike Petkovic. So it's it's amazing to watch him play. But Petkovic just messes it up for the whole team sometimes. So yeah, but that's enough for Dinamo. I mean, actually not. Let's actually predict the match. I mean, I don't know. It it can go both ways. Dinamo could surprise Sevilla, but. I I don't see a win happening. Maybe a draw, like a one-one draw. So I yeah, think I think, I think I think a draw is. I mean, that's probably you know, especially when when the aggregate score. I mean, unless you know, it, it, yeah, if it's not likely to if 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 the aggregate you know if they're not going to get a two-goal swing back, that, a lot of those games when the when the result becomes kind of known, the teams just play that you know. For the last half an hour, nothing materially changed. So if it's like one-one or something, with half an hour to go, you might just see it. the score just stays that way. I, yeah, I think it's one of those ones where the first the first twenty minutes are going to decide. You know, if you think of all these like La Remontada, you know, all these sort of famous comebacks, most of those they were on within the first fifteen minutes. You know, you knew yeah. they were going to happen. So so this is going to have to be something similar. I think you know like. They have to come out the gates really sharp, and then, you know. But as I say, I think I think something like a one-one draw is probably more probably the most likely. I mean, the moment when you saw against Tottenham when Orsic scored that the long-range goal, well, not long-range, just inside the box, but Orsic style, you were like, I mean, Dino has a chance here, and yeah. again, they he scores two more and they proceed. I mean, if Forsyth just does that one bit of magic, either gets an amazing assist or amazing goal, that's enough for the whole team to get behind them and just to push forward and maybe get one goal or two more to go to extra time or maybe even win the game. Yeah. But Sevilla, I mean, they showed it, showed it in the first game. They just scored two goals in two minutes 
after Dino made two very, very poor mistakes. And that's what that that's what impacted the game. Dinamo's the lack of player ability just sometimes they just lose the ball in a very, very stupid way because of the pressure. Most of the I mean Bochkai didn't look that good in the first game. He had a few great passes, which is what Bochkai does, but sometimes he got too stuck up on dribbling or maybe trying to make some long range pass that wasn't ever going to work. So it's just those small mistakes from the players that that made the team lose the match. But if they can get on top of some of the, some of the mistakes, you, you can still allow, allow a few mistakes, but not as much mistakes as, as happened in the first leg. So yeah. and that, I think they'll be fine. And they can get a win, 1-0 maybe just, you know, we beat Sevilla. We were close to, to push them to extra time, but we did our best and... That's what that's what matters most. Let's be honest. From Dinamo, they just have to give it give it their all. Especially Petkovic. I mean, now is now is the time to. You have 11, 13 games left. This is the time for Petkovic to really awake himself. But yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I might. I think I'm going to try and try and have a look at the. Trying to keep an eye, you know, try and see that game, and yeah, as I say, at least see how it starts. Are, are Dinamo still? Are they still playing that kind of back three? They sort of had uh, sort of like a like a three four three kind of thing, or sort of three four one two I mean, or something. The, the I I honestly now forgot what they played last time. Uh, let me check actually. While we yeah, because I'm never quite sure if they change it for you know for for domestic games or or because I think usually in European games and then it you know usually in the, especially in the way fixtures you normally they tend to play either. They're trying to have an extra midfielder or try and play more defensively. Whereas if you yeah. have to actually, if you have to, if you have to chase the game, yeah, yeah, you commit an extra attacker. They play that with with the three at the back. The last two games against Sevilla and Lokomotiva. So yeah, they're pretty much sticking to it. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, let's move on. That's enough for Dinamo. So yeah, pretty much anything can happen. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna throw. Throw Dinamo into the bin and just say, "Oh, it's not happening." We saw yeah. what happened against Tottenham. You cannot, you just can't. And they and they beat West Ham. I mean, even though West Ham basically played half the team of youngsters, they still beat them. They were still good players in that squad. They still beat them, and with an orange beauty of a goal. So yeah, but enough for that. Let's go back to the high NL. This weekend is is at very start. This is the first time. That we have two derbies in the same game week. And it's going to be very, very fun to see. Because this is the first time that all the four teams are going to face each other. And it's going to be very, very fun. Kaiduk against Tika on Saturday, on Saturday uh, 6 p.m. Central European time. So watch it if you can. Then yeah, have them, yeah, five five p.m. five p.m. kickoff here. Yep, yeah. it's an amazing it's amazing weekend. It's got, I think, seven plays ten, five plays six, number eight plays number nine, yeah, uh, and then and then three plays four and one plays two. So it's like every single game is positionally is positionally critical. You know, a a, t- a winner will advance in the table and a loser will fall in the table relative to the team they play. So it's yeah, it is a very the thing I find interesting as well is that is the timing of the matches as well because the Lokomotiv Agorica is earlier on Saturday than Heidel play on the 
five o'clock. Um, yep. And then, the, and then on Sunday, then Shibanik Istra is two o'clock, and then Osiak Dinamo. So by the time Osiak and Dinamo play, all the other games will have finished. So they'll know what the, you know, they'll know the outcome of all those other games. Yeah. So I think that one might might even get a little bit tactical. That's the one game I sort of thought, especially given Dinamo's commitments in Europe, they would probably take a draw in that game. So, yeah, it might just be depending on. If if Hajduk wins and picks up three and then gets closer, I think it it makes that game very interesting because I think Dinamo would be more concerned. Not they just don't want to lose that match. I think I think I mean, that game's at at Osijek, isn't it? It's 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 an Osijek. Yeah, at Osijek. Osijek. Yeah. They even allowed uh, another stand that the Gradsky word to be uh, to be allowed so more fans get in. Yeah. And I think very much soon we'll get the full capacity at stadiums because COVID has been. Re- it has been on a steady de- decline here, so we should be getting full crowds sooner than later. I, ho- I really hope, because I'm planning to go to the Hajduk Dinamo match when it happens in, in, a, in two, three weeks' time. And I would rather have it at a full stadium than a, that stupid 40% stadium, which is just like, come on. COVID, COVID's not even that... that, that I mean, a month ago, it was really pr- it was, it was problematic, but now it's just... Ah, whatever. Like two, two thousand, one, one thousand cases per day. That's that's nothing. So yeah, I mean, Kaiduk Rijeka. I mean, Kaiduk. I mean, they have looked. If you look at the form, they're amazing. But I, I don't count on you that that you watched that much of Kaiduk in the last three, four games. So, no, um, not that much since, since the new year. No, but I mean, as I say, I've just seen the I've seen the results on paper look look good. Yeah, they look they look amazing. But if you just watch a bit of the highlights, you're like, they didn't I, against Dragovoyas. We didn't create that much as you expect us to create that much against the uh, the last team that's barely barely surviving. So we didn't look that amazing, but we still got a three 0 win. Now that's the point that confuses. Well, doesn't confuse me, but that makes it interesting. Hajduk doesn't play that well. But they score free. They make enough chances to get two penalties and a and a one very good goal from open play. Same against Shibenik. We didn't look that good. We still won. And the only game we, we looked amazing was against Gorsa when we beat them. Absolutely trashed them 4-0. So yeah, I I don't know. It, it's Kaiduk is probably they are still settling in, meeting I mean the, a lot of new players. I mean Kalnic didn't play in the last game, so He'll probably play against Rijeka, so he'll probably bring that bring that his play to to Rijeka. So yeah, yeah, I really don't know, but I'm gonna back Haidu because Rijeka just doesn't look that good. I mean, they they beat Shibenik very good for it should have been four one four nil, but Shibenik's got two goals in the end that really didn't matter. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know. We beat them the last time when we played at at Rujevica. So I hope the same can happen, just not with the last-minute goal. Let's just do it early, 2-0, 3-0 maybe, in the, uh, around the 60th minute, and you just cross to the end and with the match. But I, as you said, if you just look, I've just looked at the, if you look at the goals, you know, the goal statistics. I mean, Heidel scored 45 on the season, on 23, and only conceded 21. Whereas Rijeka scored 49, but conceded 34. You know, that's actually quite a good... 45-21 is not is not bad. It's you know it's not a. You know, I mean, Dinamo scored forty-seven 
So, you know, that's that's a decent goal difference. That's a much better goal difference than either Osijek or, or, or Rijeka. You know, so I think that that is often a sign of at least if they're winning games. I know, I know, I know what they do also manage to win games they don't play well, but I mean, they are they are scoring quite you know reasonably regularly and they're not a complete kind of basket case at the back. I think that's that defensively, I think, is. Rijeka, at least from what I remember from a few years ago, used to be quite strong defensively, but conceding 34 goals already, that's not going to win you a that's not going to win you a title. Absolutely not. Far, far from it. I mean, when you're Haidu conceded only 21, and that's 13 less than Rijeka, and you then have Osijek conceded only 19, and then Dinamo conceded only 17. It's yeah. it's it's the difference that is. I mean, and and they brought in that the guy Solana I mentioned as the right back. I mean, and, and they conceded too against Shibling that they really shouldn't. It was just li- lack of interest in the game when it was over, basically. But still, you conceded two goals, which makes your difference goal difference pretty bad. So, yeah. I don't know. But th- that's the problem that Eka has. They, they just allow too many goals. And then yeah. you have us who, who basically win games by one goal. They 1-0, 1-0, 1-0. 1-0 yeah. or 3-2, two, 2-1, two, two, yeah. basically. That, that's yeah. the whole line. It's, you, you'll never see Bielica pushing for a 5-0, 6-0 win. Yeah. Which, I mean, is a very good mentality to have, but if it in the end comes that you're level on points with Dinamo or Hajduk, you're going to lose out because of, of that. So, yeah. But I don't know. I, I see us winning. I, I also... I, I can see us losing... A, that's like a twenty percent of me believes we're gonna lose, but the other eighty percent is pretty much sure we're gonna win the match because we just look better offensively and Rijeka just look poor defensively. So uh, I don't know. I, I think our, our new defense with Ferro, I don't know who's gonna play. Probably Katic and uh, maybe Simic because he got, had an okay game last time. Or probably Ellis will play, but still, I think Simic had a good game last time out on against um, Dragovoyets. But again, it was Dragovoyets, so I not, not really much. To yeah, compare. you can't take, take too much from that. Yeah. So yeah, I see us winning like two 0 two 0 maybe or three one, basically a two a two goal difference. Your prediction? Yeah, I would say I would say something. I think something like a two 0 would probably. I, I, yeah, I would expect Hajduk to win that one reasonably comfortably, and then as I say, the other one, I, I probably even a draw probably is, is is possible. As I say, it's it's just a question of how tactical. If if Dynamo can actually go away, you know, after a, after playing a European match and can actually go there on Sunday and actually win that game, that that is huge for the you know. So I kind of almost think it's the pressure is almost on Osijek to say like you know you've you've got a home home game, you're playing a team who's had to play a midweek European tie, that really should be, if you're not going to beat them then, when are you going to beat them? So, yeah, yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd kind they, of, I'd fancy Osef to win, but they it, it, they would they would lose, they should see a draw as a loss if they don't win it. I don't know. They really should because, I mean, this is their chance to get in this front of chance. Dinamo. If they, if they beat them, they get in front of Dinamo. And if Hajduk wins, then Hajduk are level on points with Dinamo and they have the derby to play. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's pretty much in the open who's going to take first place. Because there's also a possibility where actually uh, Hajduk has to win by seven goals probably to, to <laughs> yeah. Dinamo. 
if if they win. So yeah, I mean, all we need is fantastic football. Let's let's have a fair amount of goals in those two matches, and I think we'll we'll all be happy. And and the most important thing is referees, please, please make good calls because that war against uh, in Shibenik uh, Shibenik Rijeka. It took like eight, seven, nine. I don't even know how long it took. I, I wasn't. Even, I, I stopped watching at that point. I'm like, dude. I actually had watch. that on my list of that was on my list of things to talk about. Actually, I was because I was going to ask. I I don't actually know what the VAR kind of. I still don't, in HNL exactly what the. Yeah, it it just seems to be used very. It, it always seems to be the source of some kind of controversy, and then there's lots of decisions that don't seem to go to VAR. So I'm, I'm never quite sure. It seems quite patchy. I'm never sure when it's used, when it isn't. If all the technology is there, I know there was an issue with the um, with the Shibenik Stadium refit as well. That they had to. There was some issue there yeah. with the camera because they had to yeah, have. They, they couldn't have the cameras pointing into the sun because then they, they wouldn't be able to see properly and stuff. But. I think the VAR coverage isn't very consistent across all the stadiums. Is my it's, it's not. I mean, and I mean, VAR is it has limits, which I which I don't like because it, it can interfere on, on some occasions. I still don't know what because I really haven't looked into it. But on some occasions, it can look into it, even even if it's a big mistake. VAR can intervene and say, "Hey, ref, you made you you made a mistake," which I which I hate because. What is the whole point? I mean, okay, penalties, all that, free kicks, red cards, as it should. But if the referee makes a mistake in the build-up play, like let's say there's a, there's a foul, it, it doesn't go to VAR. Like, come on. I, I don't know. It, it really should be open to all mistakes because at the end, we need the game to be as fair as possible. And that's why VAR was introduced, to, be a, to make the game more fairer. And not the referees get in, get in, uh, get in the way of possible fixing results. So yeah, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I know they, they, they seem to be. It seems to be kind of caught in between these two kind of different philosophical schools of thought. Like one is that if you intervene in everything, then you've made the referee less kind of relevant, and you've taken all of their kind of subjective control. But then. If you start letting them do stuff and then say, well, we're only going to overturn it in certain cases, well, then having the VAR there makes people see that, you know, yeah, I don't think it necessarily helps because then if people can see clearly that the referee missed something in the build-up play, then wouldn't you want to, you know, yeah, it, it then becomes quite morally kind of grey a bit of saying, well, yeah, so we can't actually overturn it, but then we, but everyone can see that it was wrong. It just it yeah. just leads to more leads to more resentment and bitterness from from fans of saying you had the ability there to see something was wrong and you didn't use it. So, yeah, I think I think the whole VAR thing is that drama is going to, you know, um, it's, it's going to carry on. I think for a bit because it's especially I think pushing it out to smaller leagues that's supposed that should be seen as a good thing because as you say, there's like it helps. Referees are under lots of pressure in some in some of the yeah, smaller European leagues, especially they, they, in the Croatian league. I mean, you you yourself know how many bad calls we had over the years. Yeah, but for for every team, like most most fans that aren't Dinamo fans are gonna say, "Oh, the referees have been helping Dinamo." They have, but they also been helping your club, and in some way, you you probably didn't realize because Hajduk had a lot a lot of calls in the last few seasons that went their way. So yeah, also Ostik and Rijeka, but 
that's just part that's just part of it and now everybody's blaming Hajduk on like paying the referees because because they're getting penalties every yeah. match which is like come on dude just it, if you're gonna say that at least watch the highlights and see what the call was about don't just oh they won three nil they scored two penalties and the referees are helping them because Harnell referees are mostly all volunteers right I mean they're they're all sort of part timers they I mean or do they have do they have UEFA kind of they they have UEFA you have they have UEFA licenses most most of them I mean can they be professional referees full time I guess is the Oh, yeah, I think some, some of them some of them have been in European matches and Bebek, let's let's for one instance, he he officiated a match, I think, between Fenerbahce and some other club in the Europa League. I think there were three red cards in the match. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> go that well. So yeah. I, I wouldn't say our referees are on on par to be a UEFA licensed referees, but they should be good enough for the league. Some some of them are still um not that good, but we we need them. I mean, it, it's better to have some referee than than nothing. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but just yeah, that you know hard. because of like because of like you know the betting markets and stuff like that. It's yeah. that like you know the, it's 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 it, I, I wouldn't I don't envy that job. You know, the, they Neither say that in, in 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 England, they you know the the England spends all of its effort keeping its eye on referees in sort of in in all the it's all the lower leagues because the you, you can't actually if you if you made an obvious mistake in Manchester in the Manchester derby, it's on TV, it's on Sky, you know, <clears throat> VAR is there. You can't really escape it. Whereas actually, referees can influence games at lower leagues when cameras aren't there. And actually, you need to put infrastructure in place to protect them that they don't feel under pressure. You know, so it's a it's a it's a whole murky business, I think. Trying to yeah. and as you say, VAR is supposed to be there. VAR actually gives them cover. VAR actually is there to back them up, so that That's you know. But yeah, I, there was this referee at Af- Afghan. He just didn't care. He didn't want to listen to any backlash from the players. He was just like, "That's the decision. I'm gonna go with it. I do not care." Even if our interviews, he, he still stuck to this to his decision, which I mean, fair enough to him. But if he, I, I don't think he made any bad decisions. There were certainly some 50-50s in the match that I watched from Afghan. But I mean, that's how, how a referee should be. I mean, I'm the one making the call here. You can talk whatever you want. But just if you want to get a yellow, then please say what you want. So yeah, I mean, yeah. the referee sh- should really be like that, and not and. There have been some referees that have spoken ill of VAR, which is still like, come on, it's there to help you. If you make a bad decision, you make a bad decision, go out and say, I made a bad decision, VAR helped me, and that's that's why it's there. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's it for today. We had a pretty lengthy episode, and... Uh, yeah, no, that was good. Um, I say you, you, you've actually got me quite excited about the Sunday match now. So, yeah, I think I'm... <laughs> and, and tonight, you should. Well, I think. There wasn't a. I mean, if you didn't get interested before, I think now's the. I think now's the time. Well, actually, you made me. I've also looked ahead to April because you mentioned the upcoming games. Because I'm, you know, I'll be in. I'll be in Croatia for the. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so there's the home. There's the home Shivenik match against Gorica on second. But then there's actually the. There's actually the Dalmatia derby. There's then they're at Hajduk on the ninth. So yep. I, I, I might have to. I'm, I'll try. It may not be that likely, but I'll see if it's possible to. You know, we might have a 
try and go visit one of the, one of the cousins in split for a weekend or something to try and see that <laughs> try and yeah. catch that game but no, I'll, I'll definitely watch that one on tv though that'll be a good one ninth of april so yeah, i will but i mean yeah we'll be back in a few weeks time i'm trying to, i will try my best to keep this as consistent as possible throughout the season for people that uh that listen to the podcast and they have missed it if somebody has missed it so yeah i really hope that we will be back in a few weeks time to cover all these matches that happened today and and those matches in the in the future game weeks. So, um, good day, people. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And uh, no, thanks goodbye. again. Yeah. Catch you guys soon. Thank you. Bye.